for the first time. Thank you for being here. Um, I see Kaylee. It's not her first time, but she's going to be heading back here pretty soon. And uh, it's good to have you back from college, girl, and uh, with all your equipment there with you. <laughs> Poor girl. We've been praying for you. So, um, And there's somebody, I don't want to embarrass Mo, but I want to, Mo has a huge impact in our life. He was West's puppy raiser. So what, what the school does whenever a puppy is born and it's going to become a guide dog, it goes to a volunteer puppy raiser. And so when Mo was in college, that's where um, Wes gets his frat boy ways, by the way, is from Mo. So Mo, thank you for being here. Can we just welcome Mo real quick? Thank you, bud. Um, I normally don't embarrass guests and visitors that way, but I kind of owe it to him. He is a New England Patriots fan, and that just, you know, ugh. and he's a New Yorker, so how, how do you get that to happen, right? Not a Giants fan, but it's all good. Well, I can understand that, I guess, but um, anyway, so um, thank you for being here, though. Appreciate you, buddy. My wife is uh, with the kiddos today. Her and Wes are back there, so I'm, I'm just thankful for it. It always reminds me, you know, the... the the volunteers and just you guys working with our kids, our babies, our toddlers, greeting, ushering, all the different ministries, the sound people, the video people back there. Uh, just thank you all for everything that you do, just in honoring the Lord with your gifts and with your talents. And uh, um, we're very thankful for you. Stasha and I are very thankful for you. And the person beside of you is thankful for you, too, even if they don't say it. They're, they're thankful for you. So see all the lovebirds. They're just like, oh, I appreciate you, honey. You're so good. Well, hey, we're going to keep going, and we're actually concluding our series today, um, Is That You, God? Um, so I'll get into that in just a moment. And as Dean was saying, my family and I, we are flying out to Seattle next Sunday morning. Actually, our flight is at like 7.30 in the morning, so um, Danny's going to take us down there. And what's cool is um, Danny, um, one of the ushers here, you guys know Danny, works for Stuart Haas Racing. Man, they won last night the all-star race, Stuart Haas Racing did, so we're going to get to the airport fast next week. That's what I'm, we're, we're not going to have any issues just kind of going down through there, these race car drivers, or teams, they're, they're pretty awesome. Uh, but Matt, I just saw Matt. Matt's going to be speaking next Sunday, so we're praying for your family still. I know Jen and the girls are still up in New York after her brother passed and, and praying for you guys. But uh, thank you for your investment into our youth. And next week, uh, so you don't want to miss next week. Um, it's it's going to be good. He'll be here for both services. Well, if you're like me, you go through the week. I'll just do a quick bit of review since we're concluding this series. You go through the week, and sometimes you're wondering, am I hearing what God wants for me to do? Anybody else? What is my purpose in life? Uh, what does God want for me? And so we've been talking about things like, how do I know if I'm hearing the voice of God? The very first week, we talked about how, you know, even there's, there's parts of society that, that say, if you, if you say that you hear God, then, then you're crazy. And, um, I mean, I'm crazy for other reasons <laughs> than that. But here's something that I have been assured of over my lifetime. Um, you know, my mom brought us up in church and things like that. But I, I did have to find my way. You know, I had to settle for myself that God was who he said he was and that I could actually hear God speaking. So we've been talking about how do we know? I mean, we can't really see God. How do we know if we're hearing him? So we've talked about a few things such as from John 10, 4, where it says, Jesus said, after he had gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. And I read that and I'm like, well, God, I want to know that I'm following you, but how do I know that I know your voice? And so we've talked over the past few weeks how God's spirit does speak to us. Uh, it's that still small voice. Um, people who are believers, you know, we, 
we may think of it as it's your conscience speaking, but often it's the voice of the Holy Spirit who's saying, you know, do this, don't do that, or, um, you know, go bless someone, or, or right now is not the time. You know, just hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The next week, the Gideon ministry was with us, and they talked about the Word of God, how if you're in doubt and you just don't know if you're hearing God's voice, pick up the Bible and begin to read it because what this word tells us is this, is that the Holy Spirit inspired men, over 44 men, over a period of 1,500 years. Think about that for a minute. 1,500 years from, uh, from the different books that are in here. He inspired them to write this book. There's no collaboration that can go on over 1,500 years. At some point, it's going to die off, right? 1,500 years. And we know that there was a gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament of 400 years where the Bible tells us that there wasn't a whole lot of revelation that was going on at that point. The children of Israel had been disobedient. and But anyway, we can go back to this book that was inspired over 1,500 years of God talking to his people. That's amazing. Blows my mind. We also know that God has given us wise counselors. And when we say that, we're talking about wise, godly people, people who understand God's word, and we can go to them to say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I have this issue going on. Is this a wise thing to do? And people will begin to pray with you and say, you know what, let's see if we can hear God's voice on this. Or they will give you their wise counsel, maybe even from their, their experience as a believer. So we have that type of voice that speaks to us as well, just wise counselors uh, that are around us. And I told you how I have many. There's many here at this church. There's many of my mentors who were my pastors in the past and even pastors here in Mooresville who've been doing this for a long time. I go to them for advice all the time because I want to know that I'm hearing God. I don't want, I, you know, you realize this, that leaders of congregations have and can really mess up things big time. Now, the purposes of God will prevail ultimately. Yes, we know that. But I don't want to be that bump in the road. You don't want to be that bump in the road, right, for someone. And then we talked about how God has given us spiritual authorities as well. I have spiritual authorities. You have spiritual authorities, again, who understand God's word and who can speak into our lives. Well, today I wanted to really bring this down to the very basic um, idea of what we go back to when when we're not sure that we're, you know, we have those moments where we read the Bible and we're just like, man, I'm not getting anything out of that. Especially when you read through the book of Leviticus and he starts talking about all the stuff or First Chronicles, and you're like, man, so-and-so's son and so-and-so's son, and then they had this disease, and it's like, why in the world is this even in here? But then you begin to understand that God has a purpose for all of it. He, you know, he was taking care of his people, Israel. So, but anyway, there's times where you may read it and you're just like, I'm not getting anything. Or you feel that you're on a good path and, and where God is leading you, and then there's a roadblock, and you're thinking, okay, well, I thought that this was supposed to happen, but it's not. Today, what I want to talk to you about is there are times when we're not sure the next step that we are just to go back to the last thing that God called us to do and be certain in that. Because when we go back to the very simplest form, it's about the gospel. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, the voice of the gospel uh, that comes from, from God's word. If I don't know what's going on in life, I just, man, I go back to the basic, to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, those very basics where Jesus was, was here on the earth. God has given us the hope of the gospel. And like I just said, I wrote this down here. When we don't know what God wants us to do next, we go back to the last thing that God called you to. What is your purpose in life? I want you to think about that for a moment. What, matter of fact, give me some feedback for a moment. You guys know I like interaction here. So what is, what is your purpose in life? 
minister and talk to others. Glory to God. Know God. Know Jesus. Yeah. Seek his face. Live boldly. Yeah. You know, praise God daily. Some of my purposes are to, those are great answers. That's first and foremost. And then all the other purposes begin to line up. I'm thinking, love my wife. Make sure that she's, you know, taken care of and that she is loved. Uh, my boys, Nathan and Gabe, are you elbowing, Doug? <laughs> Take care of your wife, buddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so our purposes go beyond even that to, to our families, to our friends. We have all kinds of purposes, but then... Again, you hit the roadblock where I feel like I'm doing all these things. So, God, I don't know. What am I doing next? And he says, go back to the very beginning. If you're not sure what's next, you go back to the very beginning, which is everything that you were just talking about. And that is loving God, loving your neighbor. Those are the two great commandments that Jesus gave us. Love God and love your neighbor. And the church globally, the church as a whole, we've got to do better on both of those parts. Here's my thinking. If we're not truly loving our neighbor, I have to ask, am I truly loving God? Right? So I see the things that are happening in society. I see things that are happening in the world, within the church, with the church, you know, those type of things. I think, man, Lord, help me to love you because when I love you, I'm going to love my neighbor. And so I, first of all, Abundant Life, you guys are rocket. You rock it. You're awesome. You love people. But God, help me to love even better, to go back to the gospel where you called me, where you encouraged me uh, to love other people. The voice, the voice of the gospel does several things for the believer. Um, we're looking at the church today because um, the church must know her purpose. Salvation means more than just fire insurance. I heard that a lot growing up. That was one of the cultural things. You know, you get saved so you can go to heaven and you don't have to burn. You know, you hear all these things growing up. And, but, man, following God is so much more than just that whole thing of fire insurance. The voice of the gospel reminds us of God's purpose for us. Matthew 12 uh, chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 17. Do you want to turn there with me real quick, Matthew? See, the cool thing is I can get there before you because I mark it in my Bible through the week, so I just turned right to it. That makes people look more holy, doesn't it, when they can turn to the Bible quickly? <laughs> That's what we used to think. The right now, by the way, while you're turning there, um, Matt and Jen with the kids, they're doing something that we used to do old school back when I was in youth group, but they're doing Bible drills, you know, to find, you remember that, Miss Vicki? Doing Bible drills to see how fast you could find a particular scripture. Why is that important? Because when we don't know what the answers to a particular area of life is, we need to know where to find it in the Bible, and, and that takes time. Uh, like I said a while back, you know, we don't, we don't automatically know this whole book. I don't know this whole book, and I'm, I'm coming up on 20 years. Matter of fact, Wow, with this recent graduation, I just, I've been doing this 20 years. Everybody's like, man, you know, I'm looking at the youth. They're like, man, you're old. You know, we're not even old. We're not even, haven't even been alive that long here. Wow. But the more we know God's word, the more we can find the answer. So, so they're doing that. But anyway, I beat you to it because I had it marked. So Matthew 12, um, verse 17, it says, This fulfilled the prophecy Isaiah concerning him. 
And it says, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout nor raise his voice in public. Lord, help us to be more like you. He will, crush the, he will not crush the weakest reed or put a flickering candle out. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and he... His name will be the hope of all the world. This is one of those things that was written in the book of Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth. Again, don't forget there was a 400-year lapse of time between the Old Testament. So you're talking quite a few hundred years before this prophecy of Jesus was fulfilled. Two Christmases ago, we put this out. There was 44 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled that were in the Old Testament. Do you remember that? So as you began to read through the Bible, you began to see these things of a prophecy that was given of Jesus. And then in the New Testament, you began to see where it was fulfilled. So we go back to the gospel. We go back to the assurance of the truth of God's word is what it's saying here. So it fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. So as you see the gospel being preached and you began to read through the Old Testament, you see that the gospel gave Paul purpose, right, and what he was to do. And we'll look at more of this in our next series that will be starting the first of June, first Sunday of June. The purpose we seek is the mission gave to each one of us, and that is to go out and declare the gospel. When you're not sure if you are hearing God's purpose for your life, Go tell your story to someone. We're really going to hit on this the next series. Um, I was just talking with the staff at our last meeting, and um, what we are going to be focusing on for the next month and a half after we get back is this. That is telling your story. We're going to do a series called Go Fish. Who, who are my fishermen in here? You like to go fishing? Yesterday we went out to the park, and there were all kinds of people that were really fishing on, on, the, on the river banks, uh, or on the lake banks that were there. We were taking the dogs for a walk and showing Mo a little bit of the lake and everything. But that's what we're going to talk about. The purpose that we seek is the mission that has been given to each one of us, and that is telling your story. Because all of us recognize that we came from something that maybe, you know, maybe we lived a great life all of our life, but we understood this, that we were not pleasing God. No matter how good we thought we were, we were not pleasing God. But God changed our life and turned us around. When you're not sure if you're hearing God's purpose for your life, go tell your story and be certain. We become more certain of God, of who Jesus is. We become more certain of heaven as we train ourselves in godliness, as the Word of God talks about. So if I'm not sure my purpose in life, if I'm not sure that I'm hearing the voice of God, I go back to the very beginning, and I go back to this point that talks about sharing your story. The voice of the gospel speaks. How do I know that? Because for those of us who are believers who are, are in Christ, it spoke to us, and it drew us to God. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? We didn't just come blindly to this thing of the gospel. So know your purpose. Know what God has, uh, has called you to. Matthew, um, when he was writing here, when he's talking about Jesus, when he's talking about his purpose, we can look back at some of the things that he did. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. There's no need for those type of things. It was the love that he showed. 
not crushing the weakest reed, and that's just talking about those who are really down on their luck or people who just feel like they're barely going in life. He wasn't to put them out. It was to encourage them. And so we can, we can learn something uh, from that. Jesus is the hope for the believer, but not only that, Jesus is the hope of the world. The voice of the gospel, first of all, it's an assurance of salvation. It's an assurance of our salvation. We all recognize that we sin. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you sin this week, please raise your hand. You know, we're not going to do that because we all recognize that's something that, that we all do. It's why we deal with shame. It's why we deal with guilt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we don't like it. First of all, we don't like it when we disappoint other people. Anybody like disappointing other people? I really don't. I don't like disappointing my wife, my kids, my church, um, relationships. Man, I, I just feel so bad when I disappoint somebody. But how much more when I disappoint the Lord through that? So I, then all of a sudden I'm down on myself. I have this shame. I have this guilt. And even Romans 3.23, it'll be up on the screen. As a matter of fact, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3 because I'm going to read this verse and then we're going to open up a little bit more. But Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall, fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, one, that's, that's a verse of hope, really, that I understand that it's okay that I'm not perfect, but I still need to strive to be more, more godlike. But if I understand that everyone has sinned, that I have fallen short of God's glorious standard, there's something I need to do with that when I want to hear the voice of God, when I want to understand and that is, um, I need a Savior. At that point where, you know, life in sin, all these type of things, I recognize that I need a Savior. As you continue to read in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says this. It says, yet God, we've all sinned, right? Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Doesn't seem fair, but he does. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God. How? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Uh, the sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them and in what? He would do in this present time. God did this to de demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So here's what I understand. When I recognize that it, the voice of the gospel is an assurance of salvation so that I can actually speak about what I'm reading about, that voice of assurance, in those moments that I don't feel worthy because I know what my thoughts were thinking, because I know what my actions did because of this, that, and the other, in those moments that I don't feel worthy, I remember that by God's grace, he makes me right in his sight because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And that gives me the ability and the purpose to continue the mission that God has called me to. You see how easy that is when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do next, when I feel like that my life has been, my path of life has been derailed because of choices that I've made, I go back to the gospel. And it speaks to me saying that ask for forgiveness and you're forgiven. This is not just a repentance for people who don't know Christ. This is for believers. Say, God, this week was not a good week, and I ask for your forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, help me to please you. It's going back to the basics. 
It's going back to the basics. So we've seen assurance of salvation. Another thing, the voice of the gospel is, it's an assurance of a life of purpose. How do I know that my life has purpose? Well, first of all, we know that God is with us. His name is Emmanuel, right? We talk about that at Christmas all the time. We have the songs that we sing talking about Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Turn to Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. This is a, an important scripture here, and actually you will find this as well uh, in several other books of the Bible, this whole idea and this whole theme here. But Deuteronomy 31.6 says this. By the way, shout out to Sonny. She was doing my notes, and I sent her Deuteronomy 31.5, and then I texted her. And I said, if you haven't done the notes yet, change that to 6, and she did it. You rock. You're awesome. I mean, turkey hunting one week, and then you're here, and you, you still got it right. That's awesome. So don't let me get derailed here. I'm chasing a squirrel all of a sudden. <laughs> so be strong and courageous. I mean, we could stop there, right? Be strong and courageous, and sometimes that's just what I need. Assurance of a life of purpose. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. And that was the enemy. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I need that assurance. When I'm in an unfamiliar situation and I'm like, I don't know what to do, I need to know that God is there with me. I need to know that he's there with me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, you will not find this on the screen, but if you're taking notes, write that down. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So why or so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? It's that assurance that we have there of a life of purpose. When I know that God is with me and he will never abandon me, I can go forward without fear. I can go to the purpose that he called me to, knowing that he is there with me. He's right there. He's beside me. When the enemy comes against me, when situations of life come, you know, as we talked about with Peter uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, he jumped out of the boat onto the water, and then all of a sudden, this was Wednesday night, then all of a sudden he got his eyes on the wind and the waves, and he started to drown. And where was Jesus? He was right there to say, come on, dude, <laughs> keep your eyes on me. I think it's interesting here that the writer of Hebrews, when he's talking about Jesus, where he says, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you, a life of purpose, He's coming out of something talking about don't love money or be and be satisfied with what you have because that can be a driving factor in our lives. Can it? Money, do I have enough? Am I able to do this? Am I able to do that? Um, should I do this? Should I do that? It, it can be a pretty driving uh, factor in our lives. But even with that, something that's so close to our heart is our possessions. Jesus is reminding us, I've got you. Even in those areas of your life, I've got you. Put your hope and your trust in me and listen to wisdom. When we know that God is with us, we can confidently fulfill the purpose that he has for us. So not only is God with us, God gives us his purpose. See, I've been guilty. I hope I'm not the only one. I've been guilty of trying to find my purpose. What am I supposed to be doing? And we hear this all the time that says, find out where God is moving and go join him. 
and the mission that he's doing. You know, the reason that we go to Jamaica, the reason that we go to Niger, uh, that Foursquare, just the video that we just saw, we see where God is stirring his spirit in the hearts of people. And it's important for us to go there instead of trying to make up our own thing because we could have some success with that. But I would rather have God's blessing, his purpose, and I go to what he's doing. Right, Dean? Go to where he is, where he's working. And so God gives me his purpose. How do I know that? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now we have to remember this letter, this particular verse was written to a group of people who had disobeyed God. And yeah, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've disobeyed God. We would all have to raise our hand in that. But this is a people who not only disobeyed God, they severely disobeyed. They turned their backs on God. But yet God understood that if they would just repent and turn to him, he would give them a life of purpose. And so he's almost pleading with them, turn to God. I know the plans I have for you. I talk with um, our boys all the time, with Nathan and Gabe, you know, and they're, Nathan's at the point now, you heard Stasha talk about this last week, but Nathan is now at the point where he's trying to make life decisions. What's he going to do? Um, and so as Stasha and I began to hear his heart and his desires, what are we encouraging him to do? Nathan, pray about it. Pray about what God would have you to do and listen. What, what is ultimately God wanting to do in your life? So we steer him in the right direction, but we know the thoughts that we have for him as parents. We want him to do well. We want Gabriel to do well. You want your kids to do well, um, to be prosperous, to do all the things that God has called them to do. So if I want that much for my kids, how much does God our Father want that for us? I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. And my heart breaks. I've, I've talked to several parents, um, you know, their kids are older and things like that. And maybe their kids, we, we, all, we all have friends and, and we understand this, but maybe their kids aren't on the path that, that's good for them. As a matter of fact, it could be downright disastrous. But the heart of the parent for their kids doesn't change. They want good for their kids. They do. They want them, they, 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 you know, everybody else around them is saying, you know what, you just, need to let them, you just need to let them fall flat on their face and all those type of things, and that may have to happen. I understand that. But for the parent, they want good. They can see the potential. God sees the potential in each one of us, and he says, I know the plans that I have for you. God was bringing them back. He promised that he would listen to their prayers. Uh, turn with me, whether you have your Bible again or if it's on your phone, if you have it downloaded on your phone, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to give you a moment to, to get there. Um, we're talking about we need a Savior. We're talking about God is with us. The voice of the gospel is an assurance of a life of purpose. Paul wrote about this life of purpose to the uh, Corinthian church is where, where we're turning to. Here's what I like about Paul. He was a man's man. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was very educated. He had studied all the Jewish law before he became a believer in Christ. So Paul was, you know, he was um, very intelligent according to, you know, the, the, the law and all these type of things. But he was also like a brute type of guy. I mean, you read about the sufferings that he had, the beatings that he took. 
all these type of things. But he also was kind of like an athlete. He was athletic-minded. You know, you and I, will sit around, we'll talk about um, football, we'll talk about basketball or the race last night, and, you know, you think about these uh, guys on pit road and just how big, I was telling Mo how big some of these guys are who, you know, they jack the car or they change tires or whatever. These guys are very athletic. Well, Paul kind of related, you know, he, he, would, he would have probably watched ESPN if he had any spare time back in the day because... Anyway, here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. I wonder if Paul would have been a NASCAR fan. They'd have NASCARs back then, but anyway. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he says this. So I run with purpose in every step. Then he goes into boxing. He would have been a Mike Tyson fan, maybe. I am not just shadow boxing. You know what shadow boxing is, right? You're just, you're not really sparring with anybody or a bag. It's just practicing. I'm not just doing that. I discipline my body like an athlete to train it what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after I preach to others, I myself might become disqualified. Paul understood purpose, and if he wasn't following the purpose that God has given him, if he wasn't running with purpose, he would become disqualified. Idle time is one of those things that can cause us to become disqualified. How is that? When we're left to our own thoughts, (laughs) I go on rabbit trails, right, just in my thinking whenever I'm studying. Um, For those of you who have heard my story, whenever I study during the week, I'll study for, you know, however long. And then I have to get up and I have to walk around. Why is that? Because my mind just, you know, I have to clear my mind. It has to, I have to defrag. That's an old, do we still defrag computers, Jake? Does that still happen? See, I have a Mac, so I don't have to do that. But um, just messing. My mind gets all fragmented and this thought's there and this thought's there. But I've got to bring it back. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to have that purpose. Preaching the gospel gave Paul purpose. As I said, we'll look at that more in our next series. The purpose we seek is the mission given to each one of us. When you're not sure you're hearing God's purpose for your life, I've already said it, tell your story to someone. Because here's what it will do. It would encourage you to see where God brought you from, but it will also encourage them that there's hope. There's hope for me that I can have a life of purpose that pleases God. We can all have life of purpose, but life of purpose that pleases God. Also, we must be certain. We become more certain of God, like I said uh, a little bit ago. You're, you're hearing some repeating thoughts. We become more certain of God and Jesus and heaven as we train ourselves in godliness. So we've seen here that the voice of the gospel is the assurance of salvation. It's the assurance of a life of purpose. And finally, it is an assurance of heaven. Um, <laughs> I love to hear the story when, when the guys say, do you want to go to heaven? You're like, well, not right now. I mean, you know, I've got... Keep loving my wife and my kids and all that. We're not talking about getting a bus to go today. But I want to know that I have an assurance of heaven as well. If heaven is truly our hope and expectation, we must know what God says about heaven so that we can tell others. Again, our purpose, to tell people about how good God has been to us, that there is hope for them. But also, there is life. What what happens after we die? Is this it? Lord, I hope not. And I love my life. 
I really do. And I, and I talk to you. You love your life. There's things we would change, I'm sure. You know, taxes. <laughs> we were just talking about that yesterday, weren't we? Talking about New York taxes yesterday. And all the New Yorkers are like, boy, glad we're away from that, huh? <laughs> Heaven is prepared for those who trust in Jesus for salvation. John 14, 1. Turn with me to John because we'll, we'll finish out here in John. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. Here's what Jesus himself says about heaven. Prepared for those who trust in him for salvation. He's talking to his uh, followers here. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the, you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know the way, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. I mean, he's talking about heaven. I mean, that's just, we don't see that, right? We have no idea what you're even talking about. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had already known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus was giving him, them this assurance of heaven and is prepared for those who trust in Jesus. It's interesting. I want to bring this out one more time that we talked about a couple months ago. Where he says, um, trust in God, trust in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. This comes from um, the culture back in this particular time to where if folks were going to get married. So, for example, like I said, Stasha's with the kids today, but let's just pretend that she's right here. Isn't she beautiful? So Stasha's here, and I know that I'm going to marry her. So what I would do in this particular culture is I would give her dad just some gifts, and we, we do a ring today, right? But I would give her dad some gifts and all these type of things and say, all right, I'm coming back for you, but we are essentially, we're engaged. So I leave her with her family, and I go back to my father's house. And in this particular culture, you would add on to your father's house. So the dad's house would get bigger and bigger and bigger in this particular culture. He says, so when we read this scripture here, understanding that, he says, I'm going, what does Jesus call his church, his bride, right? I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I wouldn't even told you that. But you can be assured. And then the Bible continues to tell us one day Jesus will come back for his bride because he is currently preparing a place for us. Isn't that neat how Jesus used culture to understand that? That is good, isn't it? I just heard that a few weeks, a few months ago. And I'm like, culturally, the way things open up when you understand culture from when it was written. But Jesus has gone and the assurance that he has left us that he is coming back is his Holy Spirit. He says, that. I think that's in the book of Hebrews as well, that he's left us his Holy Spirit to say, I'm coming back for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I have an assurance of heaven. Heaven is prepared for those who trust Jesus for salvation. Also, heaven is an assurance of a greater purpose than just this life. Why am I living? Just for, you know, when I turn 90 years old, 100 years old, that that's it? Is this all there is? 
Is this it? It's been good, but what am I investing in? We'll keep reading John uh, in verse 8. It says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. They wanted proof. (laughs) We're always looking for proof. And that's not a bad thing. So Jesus is like, okay. Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Jesus is saying, if you don't believe what I'm saying, just look at what I've done. Is it not proof that I'm sent from the Father? I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I go to my Father. Here's a life of purpose. is understanding that the things that we read about that Jesus was able to accomplish, he says, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to do the same thing through you. We've seen people miraculously healed at Abundant Life because we have prayed for them, like the Bible says. We have a living testimony, and I, I point to her as often as I can, but little Ella Kate, who just celebrated two years, not too long ago, a year with a brand new heart, you know, the doctors are amazed. Yes, they did their work, thank God for doctors, but she wasn't supposed to live past 24 hours, and the church came together and we began to pray. And God says, you know, you saw the thing, Jesus says, you saw the things that I did, how about you pray, and when you begin to act, you're going to do greater things than even I did because I'm going to prepare this place for you, and I'm leaving you my Holy Spirit. That's a life of purpose, to know that we can give people more than just our opinion, but we can give them the hope of the gospel. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So why do we ask? Well, you know, again, we know this is not a selfish thing. But we can ask God to work the miraculous. We can ask God to do amazing things in our life. We can ask God for our purpose, and he will work through us for what reason? So that we look good? No, he says, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So I want, to ask, I want us to ask today, God, what is the purpose that you have for me? First of all, it can really ultimately only be found in Jesus. Ultimately. I want God's purpose, not mine. I want God's purpose. In the middle of my work, in the middle of raising my family, in the middle of my pursuits, you know, God, let them be things that please you and pursue you and that bring honor to your name. And that's a big shift. That's had to be a big shift for me. Some of the decisions that we have made, some of the things that we want to invest in uh, with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures, you know. We've had to make some big shifts. God, give me your purpose. I can chase things all day long, but I'm, I'm tired of chasing things, you know that don't fulfill and please the purpose that God has given me. Can we stand? When I don't know, I just I want to correct back to the gospel. God, this is the life that you have called me to. I remember back to the day when you called me. I remember back to the day when I decided, you know what? The life that I've been living really is not for me. It's not a bad life. 
but there's greater purpose. Lord, we thank you for what you have shown us over, our, over our, the span of our life, whether it be a few years. Uh, think of those who are in school who are in here right now. Lord, I pray that you would speak your purpose into their hearts. God, that they would pursue you. Lord, to the ones who are in the middle of, of our life. Lord, to the ones who are maybe even nearing the finish line of life. God, may we pursue the purpose that you have for us. May we pursue you. Every Sunday I do this because I understand in a, in a church that whether you've been here for uh, a year or two years or a hundred years, that there's a decision that we have to make to follow after Christ. So I just want to invite you today, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and you want to do that, you feel that you're ready to make that step, anyone at all, just let me know. Because here's what we're going to do. We have a gift for you. It's this Bible over here, and we've given quite a few of them away. We have two left. I need to order more. Um, that will help you on your journey with the Lord. Um, so if you want to do that, I want to encourage you, Dean and Rachel are going to come up and pray um, and close this out so you guys can come on up. Come up to the front and say, you know what, I want to give my life to the Lord today. I feel that today is the day that I've heard about all this and I want to give my life to the Lord. So they'll be here to pray uh, with you in that. And for the rest of us, I just pray that we are strengthened, strengthened in the Lord, strengthened in purpose, strengthened in hope. Amen.